The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 4, just a couple of verses here. And uh, we're going to look at a subject entitled Forgiving One Another. And uh, from time to time, I can remember probably within the last couple years preaching a message on forgiving one another. But I especially think as we come into this season of the year, when we have more opportunity to be around um, relationships that uh, might have been strained, that it's important for us to consider it tonight. And so let's do that. Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 31. The Bible says this, verse number 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Look at verse number 30. Notice what it says there. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Do you realize you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God? That happens at salvation. And he is a person. He's not a force. Uh, People wrongly think of him as a force. He is a third member of the Godhead, and he indwells you. He is the the seal of your salvation, the down payment of your salvation. The indwelling Holy Spirit is like the down payment that you put down in a a lot greater way that you put down on your house as a promise to pay. God gave you the Holy Spirit of God, that abiding presence with you every single moment. That's what Jesus was saying. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm there all the time as a reminder, as a stamp of his ownership of your life and as a stamp of, of, of... of confidence that he will come and he will complete the salvation in the sense of bringing us all the way to glory, which is an amazing thing. So it's a down payment of our inheritance, what we have, all that we have in Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. But he says, I don't want you to grieve him. Much of chapter number four is dealing with us as believers walking worthy of our vocation. Look at verse number one of chapter four. And he says, I therefore of the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, of the calling, of the occupation, of this thing of being a believer, a Christ follower. I'm asking you, I'm begging you that you walk in a way that's balanced out with that. I want you to walk in such a way that you look like a follower of Jesus Christ. So the rest of what's being told here in chapter 4, 5, and 6 is God saying, I want you to live this out practically i want you to practically walk like a believer and so he comes there to verse number 30 don't grieve the holy spirit don't go against his voice don't go against his prompting in your life when he says don't do this but do this get right with this person hey release that grudge and he says don't grieve the holy spirit of god don't make the holy spirit of god sad uh there's another place in scripture where it tells us not to quench the holy spirit not to mute him uh, we have mute on your, on your TVs, right? Sometimes you find that useful to mute something. But don't mute the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. Don't quench his, his prompting in your life. He is there to guide you into all truth. And one of the things he is going to guide us into is this matter of letting go of bitterness and extending forgiveness. And so let's learn about that tonight and let's ask God to bless our time together. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the practicality of your word, and I pray that you'd be our teacher tonight. Lord, I pray that we just touch on the things, uh, so many things that could be said, but that we touch on the things that uh, need to, and Lord, you know the, the people that are represented here, and you know the needs of our hearts together, 
And so would you just guide us through this, this lesson tonight, and would you be our teacher, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes we have a tendency to look at biblical truths and uh, immediately think, well, this biblical truth will be good for my coworker or my wife or my children. But in reality, what we're looking at tonight is not something to be shifted off or to be thought for somebody else, but really to allow God to speak to our hearts. Uh, you and I both uh, have, have had opportunities in our life or situations in our life where we've been wronged. Uh, have you not? One of you. Anyone else? <laughs> Our hands all should be up, right? Because we've all been wronged at a certain time and, and have the opportunity or the necessity to extend forgiveness, uh, to grant forgiveness to someone. Forgiveness is not necessarily easy. It's, it's the idea of pardoning or showing undeserved favor to someone who has wronged you. Um, forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. It's important to realize how necessary forgiveness is in our lives. Life really is uh, way too short for us to hold on to grudges and, and internalize them and allow them to shackle us. And so it's important that we learn that an unforgiving heart is going to bring a bunch of damage into our lives. In fact, think of it this way. When we do not forgive, we bring anger and bitterness into our relationships. In fact, all of our relationships. You know that bitterness does not just affect you and the person that you're bitter against, but it affects all your other relationships. Hebrews tells us that we defile many when we allow bitterness to, on, to reside in our hearts. There's a loss of joy in the present. There's depression and anxiety. You wonder why in our, in our day there is such a rise in depression and anxiety. Perhaps some of it is because many people have stuffed issues and hurt and have not dealt with them and not known how to forgive. And understand this, the world doesn't know how to forgive. They've not been forgiven. They don't understand the concept of complete forgiveness, and so it's very difficult for them to extend forgiveness, true forgiveness. And so, yes, depression and anxiety, but even among God's people, depression and anxiety. Where we have, we've stuffed something, there's, there's, there's this weight that is upon our, our heart. Lack of meaning and purpose in life, loss of valuable and enriching relationships with other people. Yes, bitterness will rob you of enriching relationships, of really getting to know other people. You realize right inside of a church family that bitterness or an unforgiving spirit can cause a whole church family to kind of, uh, kind of exist or move by each other in kind of this, this weird icy way, right? And, and not really get connected. I'm so thankful for the connectedness that God has been bringing to our church family through these days. And perhaps some of it has been a result of, of some of us saying, you know what, this really isn't worth it. In, the, in the, the grand scheme of life, it isn't worth it to hold a grudge against that person. And maybe there has been through this time of difficulty and adversity that we call 2020, uh, maybe there has been some, uh, some moments where you've gone and gotten right with people and, and praise the Lord for that. We should not hold on to that, how important it is for us to realize it will damage our relationships, not just with God, but with other people. Some people will carry hurt to their grave. Have you ever met a person like that? They'll carry hurt to their grave. It's like the elderly woman that never was married, and she requested uh, when she was planning her funeral that there be no male pallbearers at her funeral. And in a handwritten note, she said, they would not take me out while I was living. I don't want them to take me out when I'm dead. Hey. 
It's a story. It is possible, though. <laughs> it is possible. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, there are folks that take bitterness all the way to the grave. That is real. That is not far-fetched. And uh, I, I, can think of, uh, I can think of my own aunts, and, and not in the same way, uh, did not get married. Into their 90s, did not get married. And they kind of got upset about the different guys that were trying to take them out, so they just said, no, I'm not getting married. And they stayed in the same house, uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, three blocks from the Capitol building as godly old saints, but they never got married. Very interesting, but they, uh, thankfully they didn't take bitterness to the grave. But uh, let's think about this matter of forgiveness. First of all, our need to receive forgiveness. You know, we've all, we've all had a situation where we needed to receive it. We needed someone to forgive us us and we needed to ask it and someone to extend that back to us personally we've needed forgiveness now notice in verse number 31 it says let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you have you ever committed one of those sins in verse number 31 don't raise your hand but have you not had a situation where in your life you've been bitter or you've been angry or you've shown wrath or you've shown clamor or evil speaking, and there's a need for you to receive forgiveness, for you to go to someone and say, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Jay Adams, a great counselor of the past, said anger may be handled wrongly in either one of two ways, blowing up or clamming up. You know, sometimes uh, uh, our anger is not as noticeable, but the fact of the matter is, it's still something that God says, don't even let the sun go down upon your wrath. He says, hey, I want you to get it taken care of. Sometimes getting it taken care of means going to someone and say, hey, I was wrong. I was wrong. Got in the flesh. This hidden sin of bitterness is something that oftentimes people don't see around us. They don't see that in your heart. Well, there's some telltale marks of it, but when that is there, Oh, we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. But there's the hateful sins that you can think of as wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. What are these? Wrath is that passionate, uh, fierce rage. Our world is, is bubbling up with that. We were uh, doing a Sunday school series a couple uh, months ago uh, on, on, on from anger to intimacy, and it dealt with uh, relation, uh, anger and forgiveness within relationships but it gave the illustration of sometimes uh, our lives being like uh, cups full of hot sauce, and when we bump into each other, that overflows and just kind of stings and burns. And it's only the, the water of the Holy Spirit that comes in and flushes that out and uh, brings uh, clarity to our lives and to our hearts and brings a, a peace, and so we're not full of that wrath and that bubbling anger. This anger here, the blowing up or violent emo emotion, clamor, is that loud, noisy complaint that's just kind of bubbling over the top uh, from a heart that is full of anger. Uh, you might see from time to time people just publicizing. Have you ever been in a store and maybe someone's just airing out how angry they are towards somebody? They're having a conversation on their phone. And they're, you know, they're going through the store and they're talking and they're angry and they're, they're pouring it all out, out for everyone to hear. That's clamor. That's clamor. They go to social media to just air out their grievances. That's clamor, and our world is full of it. God says, I don't want your life to be full of it, though. Evil speaking, that's slander. And so these hateful sins, you know, there's times in our lives where we'll have to, we've, we've succumbed to the flesh, and we'll have to go get right, and we'll need someone to give us forgiveness. Uh, this verse reminds us that at times we're all guilty, right? 
we're all guilty. And we will need forgiveness. There's a story that's told of a lady who was called to serve on jury duty. And uh, how many of you have had to serve on jury duty? I have once here in town. And an interesting thing, but she uh, got there and she told the judge kind of right off, you know, looking for a way out. All right. Typically, if you say you're you're a pastor, you're you're out the, you know out the door and, and so forth. But last time I wasn't I wasn't blessed in that way. I, I ended up serving and uh, doing my civic duty. But she got uh, she just boldly said, "Your Honor, I do not believe in capital punishment." And uh, the uh, the judge said, "Ma'am, this isn't a capital charge, so it doesn't matter. Uh, this in this case, this uh, this husband that is on uh, on on the stand is uh, is one who emptied out his wife's." savings account of $14,000 to go spend um, a weekend with uh, his girlfriend in Atlantic City. To which the woman says, I will serve. <laughs> I will serve. I could be wrong about capital punishment. You know, we all, you know, we're all not as saintly as, they, you know, and there's times where we, where we do wrong and we need, we need forgiveness. Um, personally, we need forgiveness, but spiritually. The Bible says that our sins mentioned here in verse number 31, but a great many more sins that are in our lives that need to be forgiven. From our Heavenly Father, the Bible says in 1 John 3 and verse number 4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. He breaks the law. For sin is transgression of the law. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need forgiveness spiritually. For if when we were enemies, Romans 5.10, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We all need that reconciliation. We all need that forgiveness back to the Father. We all need to be reconciled with him, to be made friends once again, to be brought back into union. So if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, many of you have, if you've trusted the Lord, well, praise the Lord for that, that forgiveness that we talked about a few weeks ago, that he, he completely took all the sin out of your file. He nailed it to the cross and he gave you his righteousness. That forgiveness is full and complete. It is, it is full. And what a blessing. You live from that, from that platform, from that position. Forgiven. Completely forgiven. What a blessing it is. But the fact is, there's many around us that still need that forgiveness. There's people that do not have the joy of knowing tonight and singing praises to our God this evening, knowing in their heart that they've been completely forgiven. They're still working for their forgiveness. They're still struggling for their forgiveness. They're still laboring under a burden of sin and laboring under a burden of guilt. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19, the Bible says to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, not... Uh, charging their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He wants us to go out into the world with this word of forgiveness. Hey, you can be reconciled back to God. Verse number 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be reconciled to God. So we have this opportunity to go out into the world and tell them you can be forgiven. What a blessing. What a message to bring out with us tomorrow morning as we go to work, as we go about this town. And what a, what a light that is in this very dark world that is laboring under their sin. So we all need forgiveness. Personally, there's going to be times where you need 
and to go to someone and you need their forgiveness. Spiritually, we needed the Lord's forgiveness from our sin. And praise the Lord, if you know him as your Savior tonight, you have been forgiven. Now let's share that with others. But notice in verse number 32, our need to give forgiveness. Our need to give forgiveness. Not just to receive it, but to give it. There was a woman who had been bitten by a rabid dog. And I don't know, it seems like, uh, it seems like nowadays they're not as concerned about that, but uh, you still want to get your dogs the rabies shot. But uh, she was not in good shape. She was dying from this. And so uh, the doctor told her she needed to put her, uh, all of her affairs, she needed to get them all in order, get them set. And so he handed her a pen and a piece of paper, and she began to write, and she began to write, and she began to write and uh, wrote for a very long time. Finally, the doctor just said, listen, ma'am, that's a very long will. That's a very long will that you're writing down there. And uh, she says, will nothing, kind of with a snort. She goes, I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. (laughs) You need to give forgiveness. We need to give uh, that forgiveness to others. Why? Because God calls us to forgive. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. What? Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. To give that grace, to give that pardon, right? To give that pardon back. We're either scorekeepers or we're grace givers. Uh, there are folks that you could, you could think back, and, and in their lives, they, they know of all the different wrongs that have been wrong to them since you know, years and years back. 30 years ago, I... I had a family relation, uh, they're, they're passed on now, but uh, boy, they, they would talk about, they would talk about things that happened 20 and 30 years previous, and uh, they held it against children, and it was just in mind-boggling that, but you know, we can get in that situation, you can be a believer and be a scorekeeper. God doesn't want us to be that way. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give, uh, give place under wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Notice that, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So God says, listen, I don't want you to be taking my place as, the, uh, as giving vengeance. That's my duty. I'm the judge. And we kind of live in this age where people say, don't judge me, don't judge me. And you, have you heard that? Don't judge me. It's kind of, a, it's kind of just a retort. It's basically, uh, if you don't, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't get in my business, basically what, what it is. But the fact is, we do need to remember that God is the judge. And he will set all things right. Even if it's between us and another believer, he is going to set those things right. He will take care of it. We are his children. He will take care of it. Uh, Grandparents, parents, you think about how many times children will squabble, and they'll squabble, and there'll be a mess. If they had just come to mom or dad and asked for mom and dad to settle the argument, it wouldn't have gone as far as, far as it did. It might have gone to uh, you know, them getting at each other, wrestling and you know, falling down, hurting themselves and, and so on. It wouldn't have gone as far as it would have if they'd just come to mom or dad and say, hey, would you, have ta- would you take care of this? They wronged me, would you have taken care of this? And so vengeance is God's, it belongs to him. He's gonna settle the score. He's gonna do it much better than we could. So it it requires a heart of submission on our part. God calls on us to forgive. And when we forgive, we really set two people free. And one of those people is ourselves. 
We're releasing ourselves, saying, God, this is in your hand. Really, forgiveness is a submission of the hurt to God and saying, God, would you handle this? Would you take, take care of this? Peter once asked Jesus how many times he should forgive a brother. Because in Jewish law, they understood that, uh, that, that they should forgive three, um, three times. Or, um, but he, he asked, hey, should I, should I forgive seven? And Jesus says, no, no, no. I want you to forgive 70 times 7. Jesus says, set aside the scorecard, Peter. I want you just to forgive and to forgive and to forgive. That is the heart of Jesus Christ. And by the way, how many of you agree with me that requires Jesus Christ's help? Yeah, Because there's sometimes when the hurt and when the person keeps on doing it over and over again, and you say, oh, it doesn't seem useful to continue to forgive, Jesus calls on us, Christ-likeness calls of us to continue to forgive. Why forgive? Because God tells us to. Number two, why do we forgive? Because forgiveness brings healing. Think about the story of Joseph for a moment with me. Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob. Favoritism isn't good in our homes. We should guard against that. Uh, that's, that is a practical Christian parenting tip right there. Uh, we should make sure that we don't show favoritism to the best of our ability. Now, we're human, but, uh, but it caused a lot of problems within, within uh, the family of Jacob. So he gets the coat of many colors, and uh, he would dream things, and he would tell, his, uh, he, he would tell the rest of his brothers uh, these. You can read a lot about this in uh, the chapters leading up to Genesis chapter 50. And, uh, and he would, it was just quite a, quite a, a hot home, uh, a messy home because of, of just kind of the favoritism and uh, because of their, uh, his brother's hatred towards him. Well, over 13 years, um, Joseph suffered much adversity at the hands of his brothers when they had decided, his father sent him out to uh, check on his brothers while they were out tending to the, uh, to the flocks, and he comes out, and they, they uh, see him coming, they put him in a pit, if you remember the story, they see a, a band of Midianites coming along. They sell their brother into slavery. Uh, some children wish they could do that to a sibling, but you know, they, they actually sold their, their brother to a, uh, to a group of slave traders. And so he's off to Egypt. And for 13 years, he is in the house of Potiphar. And when he is falsely accused in the house of Potiphar, he goes to the prison. And there, and in the house of Potiphar, as well as in the prison, he keeps rising to the top in those places because he kept a right spirit. And it was later on that he was brought out of the prison to interpret the king on the, the king's dream, the king of, of Egypt, his, uh, the Pharaoh's dream. And when, uh, when that happened, he rose to the top there. But you realize as as, as the famine came on and the king set him in a position to, uh, to uh, create the plan for having food to help them last through these different famines that had been projected in these dreams, his brothers come down to Egypt to find food there in Egypt, and he ministers to them with grace. He didn't have to think about it. Now, they didn't recognize him, but he sends them on their way with food and puts some money back in their bags. He invites them to come down, but this next time he wants them to bring their little brother Benjamin to see how they treated him. He uh, fed them when they were, uh, they were down, and, and he cared for them and then sent them on their way with the money in their bag and also the king's cup, his cup in the bag. His security guards go after him to find this 
stolen cup, find it in the bag of Benjamin and say, hey, listen, now Benjamin is going to be my servant. And he did this as a test just to see what his, uh, his brothers were made of, but all the while treating them with a spirit of grace, not, not doing what he could have done. He could have killed them. Well, once it was finally figured out that it was Joseph, um, he calls the whole family down. They live in Egypt, and his father dies there. And you remember what happens in Genesis chapter 50? You'll have to go back and fill in all the details of the story. Remember what happens in Genesis 50 when, they die, uh, when his father dies? Remember what his brothers, immediately, it, it, it seemed like everything was going well. They were, they, were, uh, they were very interesting characters. They went this whole time around uh, uh, Joseph and never brought up the issue. But as soon as dad was off the scene, they're like, uh, now we, we get the sense that you're going to kill us. And so listen, listen to Genesis 50 and verse number 16. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, now the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, and for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants of the, um, the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Because they actually used their dad. Dad said, do you hear this? These are grown men. Dad said, forgive me. Isn't that funny? Dad said, this is not the way, this is not the way that we, we need to deal with forgiveness. We should be running and taking care of something, not, not waiting to, and using other people to try to leverage forgiveness. But they were afraid for their lives. The Bible goes on to tell us, Joseph wept when they spake unto him, verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. These are all of his older brothers. These are not younger brothers from him, all of his older brothers. Verse 19, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I, am I in the place of God? That's a great question right there. That is an illustration of a New Testament truth, Romans 12, 19. Joseph realized it was not his place to take vengeance on his brothers. Am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, you sold me into slavery, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Do you realize what submission that took on his part? Do you realize how that his brothers had caused so much division in the family? Can you imagine Christmas time at their house? You know how awkward those table conversations must have been with this kind of sitting in between them and them not dealing with this? Can you imagine that? And they waited years and years and years receiving from the hand of Joseph and never got it right. But now his brothers, you know, they had allowed this fractured family relationships because of their, their jealousy and this rift that had been uh, created by their, their acts and selling them into slavery. But through forgiveness, Joseph brought healing back to the family. There was unity in the family. Forgiveness brings physical emotional, relational benefits into our lives. It is not worth it holding on to, no matter what it is, it's not worth it holding on to this and allowing this to fester in our, in our lives. It will bring healthy relationships. It will bring improved mental health. Why? Because you're not going to be thinking about that hurt all the time. It's going to, be, uh, it's going to have been released. Less anxiety, stress, 
less hostility, lower blood pressure. You think doctors, doctors can sometimes really tell when a person is wrapped up spiritually and have a spiritual problem. I was talking to my doctor, and uh, he, he, can, he can sense from the way that the body is responding when there is a heart full of anger and unforgiveness. It's amazing how much hurt happens to our bodies when we hold on to, uh, to bitterness. Our bodies literally will begin to hurt. It does us damage. A stronger immune system. It's hard to sleep at night and get the rest that we need when there's bitterness in our hearts. Our minds constantly go there. Improved heart health. Improved self-esteem. There's so many good benefits to living a life of forgiveness and not holding on to bitterness. Why should we forgive? Because God enables us to forgive. Look at verse number 32. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He gave the example. He gave the example. God forgives us on the merit of Jesus Christ's shed blood. He gives us this forgiveness, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus Christ paid for it. Martin Lloyd-Jones said it this way, a preacher of days gone by, whenever I see myself before God and realize something of what my blessed Lord has done for me at Calvary, I am ready to forgive anybody, anything. I cannot hold on to it. I do not even want to hold on to it. When I see what Jesus did for me. 1 John 2 and verse number 12, I run it unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. They're forgiven you for his name's sake. They're forgiven. Now you go and do likewise. There's a story of a man who fought in World War II and was captured, Luis Zamperini. Uh, he had suffered uh, great brutality in uh, a prison there in Japan. He returned to uh, the U.S. after the war, and he was consumed, as you can imagine, he was consumed with hatred towards his captors. Uh, he wanted to get even with them, and he thought much of how he would do that, especially uh, one of the camp commanders known as the, as the bird. He uh, married, but quickly turned to alcoholism to cope with the inner pain and the nightmares. His marriage, as you can imagine, began to fall apart. Some years later, his wife attended in uh, Los Angeles, attended a Billy Graham crusade, a gospel crusade, and she received Christ and invited Louise to come back on the, the second night. And so he did, and as he went through the service and heard uh, Billy Graham preach the message, uh, he remembered what he had promised God when he was over there in prison and how that he promised if God would get him out of that situation that he would, he would trust God, that he'd give his life to, to the Lord. So that night he trusted Christ, and then he chose to forgive his captors. His nightmares disappeared. His nightmares disappeared. Now, grab that in your mind. Uh, immediately, God began to free him, even physically, of what was going on, of that, that hatred that was within him. The next year, October of 1950, he went to Sagamo Prison in Tokyo, uh, where many of uh, the criminals, the war criminals, were in prison. 
And he went there specifically, he had the opportunity to specifically express forgiveness to them. He shared his salvation testimony there at the prison and got to lead many to receive Christ. Fast forward to his 81st birthday in 1998, January 1998. He had the privilege to run uh, a leg in the, uh, in the journey of the Olympic torch uh, for the Winter Olympics in Japan. And uh, not far from the prison, uh, prisoner of war camp that he had been in, and as he was there, he sought out this captor named or nicknamed the bird and attempted to offer him forgiveness. And you think about that. You think about the, 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 the right, you would say, human right to hold on, to be angry and to be bitter against that, that man, especially and all those that, that had dealt with him so harshly and so um, brutally. But he offered forgiveness. Where did that power come from? from the fact that he had been forgiven by Christ. And there might be someone you need to forgive today, and it's not, it's not that you have the power to do that, it's that you've been forgiven of all of your sin, not just part of your sin, not a few of your sins, but all of your sins. Is it possible now for you, I mean, is it, is it logical now for you to continue to hold on to one person's sin against you, or years of sin that they've, committed against you, Jesus Christ literally has forgiven you of all of your sins. And he can give you the power by his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive others. So we all need, we need forgiveness. There's going to be times where we need to go to one another or within our families and, and seek forgiveness. We need to, re, uh, to give forgiveness to others and we need to trust the Lord uh, to be able to give us the power to, the, to do that. But we also need to realize this. We need to understand our way to receive forgiveness or to obtain forgiveness. Some people don't feel worthy. I've heard that before, especially in sharing the gospel with folks. I don't feel worthy. I was telling somebody the other day of a man who visited this church, um, I want to say in 2018, and uh, after the service, uh, invited, tried, tried to get out to coffee with him, and I remember his name. I'll just keep it for, um, for right now. And uh, we did. We sat down over at... I heard it, Panera, and uh, we sat down over there, and I, I shared the gospel with him. He had fought in Afghanistan, and he relayed to me, he said, listen, uh, I, I am not worthy of God's forgiveness for the things that happened over there. War is not pretty, and uh, it, 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 it's distant from us, but it's not pretty. And here is a man that was just, just bound up by that, and I pleaded with him. Uh, I believe he attended our, our service one more time uh, after that, and, and in, in a six months, a year's time, uh, had lost contact, though I stopped by his home to try to continue to encourage him to receive Christ. I remember receiving on a very, very cold winter night, receiving a phone call, and uh, it was a, a police chaplaincy call, and I was given the street, and I recognized the street. It's just about a mile away, and I recognized uh, the street. I was not supposed to be on call that night. Someone else was, but the call came through to me. So I, I went and I drove up, and there's fire trucks everywhere, and there is police cars everywhere. They have the street partially blocked off, and there's people standing out, and it's very, it's bitterly cold. And uh, I walked up, and sure enough, it was that house. I mean, it's just emblazoned in my mind. And, and come to find out, he was in there, and he had perished in that fire, and his family's all out on the, on the, just the side streets. Uh, we were just over there, and 
just to, to complete the story so you're not wondering, minister to the family that night, tried to encourage them, got to go to the funeral, didn't preach the funeral, but uh, uh, someone in the family preached a funeral and preached a gospel, a gospel message for which I was very grateful, got to follow up with a fiance. Uh, and, and it was just a very, very sad situation. But I don't know why all that God allowed me to, to go through that experience and to see that from point A to point B, but I'll tell you, I never go down that street. We're just in that, on that street passing out flyers a couple weeks ago and put a, a flyer on that door, knocked again on that door just in case it was his fiance uh, there. Just realizing people in our world are hurting and they think they're too far for God to forgive them. And it, it, is, it is the saddest thing in the world to, wa to watch that and see that. No one is beyond the forgiveness of God. No one. No one. And uh, oh, that we would, we would, people have to make a choice, right? But I, I want to just say tonight, you're not beyond the forgiveness of God for anything that you've ever committed. And neither is anyone that you meet. And know that we realize that there are people on the edge of their, uh, of their life thinking they're that unworthy and uh, needing the forgiveness of God. I wish that story had a better ending. Uh, I do know that I shared the gospel and showed him the forgiveness of the Lord. It was up to him to receive. But this forgiveness is from God. He is offering it even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This comes as a free offer from God. He wants to forgive for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon, upon thee. There's no sin beyond the reach of God's mercy. Our sin is great, but his mercy is more, right? It's more. And, and it is from God that we receive this forgiveness, but it's through Christ, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so we need to just remember that, that Christ was the one that won this 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 privilege for us to be forgiven. He's the one that went to the cross for our sins. To receive it, we have to admit that we need it. You can't receive uh, treatment from the doctor until we admit, I have a need for that treatment. Oh, how we need that forgiveness from Christ, but you cannot receive that forgiveness until you recognize that you need it. Do you remember back to the day when you recognized that you were in need of forgiveness from a holy God? Do you remember back to that day? Do you remember back to how, uh, how, how crushing the burden of your sin was and realizing I can do nothing to rid myself of this? I need his total forgiveness. I do. Isaiah 59 and verse number 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Many times you hear today, oh, we're all God's children. Right? People like to say that. You know, well, all, all roads lead to heaven. No, no. the fact is, our, our sins have separated us from God. We're born in our sinfulness. We sin because we're sinners, and those sins have separated us from God. We need His forgiveness. God cannot, as a holy God, turn a blind eye to our sin. He cannot. He is holy. As much as He is loving by sending His Son into the world, as we celebrate at this time, he is absolutely holy and he cannot tolerate sin in his presence. I want you to realize that God's, God works in balance. His love and his holiness are in perfect tension. If he was all holy, we'd all be in hell. And we would deserve it. If he was all love, he couldn't be God in the sense that he would, it, it seems that he would let us get away with sin. But they work in perfect tension. 
perfect tension. So His holiness demands that our sin be punished in a place called hell. His love demands that He offers a way for that to be completely forgiven. And the only way that we can be reconciled, forgiven, is through Jesus Christ's payment that He made in our behalf at the cross. I'm thankful for that. He's the only way. Through the cross, there is a way to be forgiven. Ephesians 1 and verse number 7, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. 1 Peter 1 and verse 18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, that you were not bought back with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, your, your vain lifestyle, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. It's through his blood. It's through the cross that he made a way for us to be saved. So we don't have to any longer go on and be under the burden of our guilt. He made a way for that to all be lifted. I was sharing yesterday, do you know that it is Satan that brings that back? If you've received Christ, it's Satan that brings that back into your lives. Legitimately, God completely. How many of you have read Pilgrim's Progress? It's a great classic if you can get your hands and you can, uh, you can deal with an allegory. But I just, I, I picture the great burden of sin and Jesus Christ, when we place our faith on him and uh, uh, what he did at the cross, he releases that complete burden of sin. He buries it in the depths of the deepest sea. He completely takes it away and we have no need to continue on in that, in that guilt and under that guilt. It's forgiven. Jesus is a forgiving savior. Even his first words at the cross were ones of forgiveness. Think about the thief at the cross. Two of them. They were mocking and jeering, but at some point they became very serious and the, the one uh, uh, of the thieves uh, looked at Jesus and said, hey, uh, uh, this day remember me when you enter into paradise. He says, this day I will. This day you will be with me in paradise. First words on the cross towards those that did not seek his forgiveness was this. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was ready to forgive and he's ready to forgive you. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 21. I think it's an amazing, amazing thing what, what happened in those last moments on the cross. An amazing thing that while Jesus is suffering in agony, he is leading a sinner to himself in salvation and giving him total forgiveness in an instant. That man who was a thief and a criminal who rightfully deserved to be on that cross. The moment he died, he was in paradise. That's amazing. That's a forgiving God. And he offers that to everyone. The people we go to work with tomorrow, the people we bump shoulders with tomorrow, they need that message. They need to hear that. Oh, how we ought to give that to them. And that is why Jesus sent, was sent into the world, was to offer forgiveness to all of us. And it's simply this. When we place our faith in what he did at the cross, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you remember back to the day you called on the name of the Lord? You accepted him by faith. I received the payment you've made on behalf of my sin. You received that? Jesus was sent into the world to bring forgiveness to us. One man put it this way, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so therefore God sent a Savior into the world. 
and he wants to be the savior of all the world. Second Timothy chapter number two. The greatest gift in all the world is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ toward our sins, my sins. That's the greatest gift that we can extend to others, that we can tell others about. It's the greatest gift that we can receive. Have you received it? And if you have received it, can I encourage you with this, that because you have received it, you have now the ability to give it to others. We as believers do not need to walk around with bitterness in our hearts. We can extend that same gift of forgiveness because we have received it in an infinite proportion because of all of our sinfulness. We can receive it and give it to others. I want you to notice what this verse, Psalm 32, in verse number one says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy is that man. If you've received that forgiveness from God, happy are you. Blessed are you. You're not better than anyone else. You're blessed of God. Now let's take that same blessing that is given to us and let's share that with others. Let's grant forgiveness. Let's not go through this Christmas season and holding on to any sort of grudge. You say, well, it's just a small one. It has a way of going into something big. Even small saplings get to be big trees, right? You nurture that thing, you fertilize it, right? It grows. And before you realize it, we have some vines down in our, uh, down in our woods. Boy, I'm telling you, those vines are big. They, they go up high, too. You know, at some point along the line, that vine was just something real small. But bitterness is like that. It'll, it'll grow, and it'll wrap around, and it can, it'll kill you eventually. Kill you with bitterness. Kill your spirit. Rob you of your joy. Let's not live that way. Let's not live that way. Let's grant forgiveness as we have received it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word tonight. Now, Lord, I have no doubt that in all of our lives, uh, there, there are some forgiveness that is needed and forgiveness that needs to be extended. And so I pray that you'd help us to honor you uh, with that and uh, respond to your word appropriately. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.